Hello, and welcome to the City Baptist Church Podcast, where our desire is to help others find meaning and mission in following Jesus. Hey, thanks again for joining us today. I'm thankful that you decided to tune in. I pray that you'll uh, have a blessed service today and that you'll learn and definitely grow in your walk with the Lord. Let's take our Bibles this morning and go to Ephesians chapter number 6. Ephesians chapter 6 is where I'll be today. You know, this past week has been an interesting week. We're in our second week of homeschooling the kids and having everybody home. And uh, one thing happened this week that I thought was so funny. We were eating dinner together and the boys were talking about what they'd learned in World War II, about World War II and some historical thoughts. And, and uh, of course, we have an eight-year-old and a six-year-old that are telling me this. And uh, Miles was telling me about President Rosie Belt. And I thought that was, that was pretty cute and funny. Um, but then in the middle of it, we're having a conversation. Owen says to me, he looks to me and he says, Dad, he says, were you in the war? And uh, it just sort of stunned me a little bit. I was like, I was a little offended. You think that I'm that old that I would be serving, you know, have been in World War II. Um, but to him, of course, a six-year-old, uh, as a 37-year-old, I seem like I'm super ancient. And, and he asked me that question, Dad, are you uh, in the war? And of course, he's, he thinks I'm pretty old. But uh, for us, you know, today, it, it really brought something uh, to my heart. And, and, uh, and, and it's about something that we often pretend that is not real. And that is the idea that while we're not in a physical war, we certainly, all, all of us certainly as Christians today are in a spiritual battle right now. Certainly in our city today, if you were to listen to the news, if you were to listen to the government uh, restrictions that are going on uh, about the virus that we are fighting together, my understanding of history, it really is reminiscent of many of the ways that Canadians came together during the two great wars uh, that we were involved in, how Canadians came together and sacrificed so that, uh, uh, so that a country could work together to see something accomplished. And that's what we're seeing now. We're seeing our, uh, the people of Canada really laying aside uh, personal preferences and even personal freedoms in some respects to battle together to stop the spread of the coronavirus. It's something that's so unique. It's something that I've never even experienced, uh, even in the generation that, that I am in. Yet, when it comes to us as believers, we have to remember that we are in a war for the uh, not only the health of our nation, but we are in a spiritual battle as well. We are in a spiritual battle between two opposing kingdoms. You know, if you think back to Owen's comment to me where he just sort of flippantly, hey dad, were you in the war? Uh, he carried opinion about war that I think a lot of people have. And the opinion that Owen had about war is that uh, it's kind of a glamorous thing. To him, it was exciting. Hey dad, were you in the war? He, and, and to him, it was glamorous. It was exciting to think that maybe, it was, that maybe I was. And, and for many of us, when we think about the idea of war, uh, definitely with the TV shows that we watch about it, it sort of glamorizes it. It, it, it romanticizes it a little bit. But the thing is, when it comes to true war, earthly war, there's nothing glamorous about it once you have someone who is affected by it. Or perhaps you yourself are affected uh, by, uh, or by being a casualty of that war. And often that's how it is in the spiritual battles that we are facing. For many Christians, we think about the spiritual battle and we think, yes, we are battling Satan and uh, we're in this war together and we hear sermons on it and, and, and uh, we read blogs about it and read books about spiritual warfare. But many Christians, unfortunately, are casualties to spiritual warfare. And sometimes they don't even recognize it. And it's always a tragic result. And I was thinking about the time that, that we're all in today, living in, uh, many of us in isolation. We haven't been able to gather together as a church. And for many, I know myself, I rely so much on being together as a church family and connecting with one another. And it's been difficult. And with that isolation comes a lot of spiritual warfare. There is a battle that is raging. And for you right now, there's a battle raging for your heart. There's a battle raging for your mind. And honestly, it's also a battle that is raging for your confidence your confidence in the Lord. 
Now, some of you today have been fighting this battle for many, many weeks. And if you were to be honest with me today, I know that there's many out there who would say, Pastor Paul, I am struggling at this time. Uh, And you've been maybe even losing to the constant attacks of uh, depressive thoughts, of discouragement. For many of you, you might have been giving into and struggling with lust during this time of isolation. You've been dealing with thoughts of feeling worthless, of, of lacking value, and maybe even some destructive thoughts through this challenging time that we are all in. Well, thankfully, the Lord knows what you're going through. And in Ephesians chapter 6, we see the Apostle Paul give us a lesson in self-defense by equipping us with six dimensions of spiritual armor that are ours to claim through our relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, in Romans uh, chapter three, uh, 13 and in Galatians chapter 3, it tells us that we as believers are to put on Jesus Christ. We are to uh, clothe ourselves in Him and in His righteousness. And that is the best thing for us to do as believers, is to clothe ourselves in the defense of the one whom Satan never defeated. And as Christians today, we are the object of God's affection. We have access to this very unique set of defenses that can and will protect us in the spiritual battles that we are facing. And truly, we can have victory through Christ that I certainly know that I need in my life. And so the Apostle Paul, he's going about to give us some defenses that we have, six areas that we have as Christians to fight spiritual warfare. But he begins in verse number 10 by reminding us about the seriousness that we are in a battle. I want to read verse 10 through 12. He says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. And that's a great thought right there. Listen, just be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness in this, of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. See, the spiritual battle that we are all in, it is personal. It is not only personal though, but it is supernatural. He mentioned here all of these areas, these things that we are fighting against, principalities, powers. These are all spiritual aspects. And while it may seem daunting and it may seem difficult, what is so great, again, is that we have a God who is going to equip us to face these battles. And that's why in verse number 13 of Ephesians 6, he says this. He says, you're in a spiritual battle. Then he says, wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. And then he says this, and having done all to stand. As we begin to understand the spiritual armor that is given to us, As we are reminded again of the spiritual battle that we are in, Paul reminds us here that we must put on the whole armor of God, meaning every aspect of what he's about to share with us is important to us. All of these areas are very important that we have and integrate into our lives. These six aspects of a spiritual armor are vital to long-term victory in the spiritual conflicts that we find ourselves in today. And I want you to notice that this was all given to us so that we could withstand the attacks of the enemy and stand for the truth of God in the day in which we live today. You know, our world needs to know the truth. Our world needs the love of God. And for that to happen, it's going to take some of us to be spiritual warriors and to actually resist and to fight against this spiritual battle from our enemy that we find ourselves in. So he begins in verse number 14, the first part of 14, and we'll walk through all of these thoughts here. And he, first of all, he says, stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth. Stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth. The first thing I want to talk about is the belt of truth. 
He tells us here to put on the belt of truth. Now, he tells us to stand and he brings up here this uh, ancient idea of, of, of a soldier's uniform, which was so important, and that was the belt, the girdle that they would wear. It's a very thick uh, piece of leather that was wrapped around them. Of course, it was used to hold up their clothing. That was very important, of course. You can't have your robes falling down when you're in a battle. Um, but as well, it would hold up their shield. It was a part of keeping their shield, uh, or their breastplate, sorry, uh, onto their uniform really tight, and it was made for that as well. Their sword would have been strapped to it as well, and if something happened to it, uh, in the middle, in the middle of a battle, if their belt would have been cut and everything would have fallen apart, I mean, it would have been very difficult for them. And so that's why uh, he's saying to us that just like the belt was an integral part of a soldier's uniform, the belt of truth for the Christian is integral to our victory through Jesus Christ. What that means for us is that we are to be people who have our lives firmly grounded in the truth. In the truth. Remember, we are battling against Satan, the father of lies, as, we are, as he is described for us. He's the father of lies. And so for us as Christians, we must have truth firmly embedded. It must be the first thing that we can count on and that we know in, uh, in the Christian life. So what kind of truth is he talking about? Well, I want you to look at John chapter 8 and verse number 31. It says, Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Notice he says, if you know the word, continue in the word, you're my disciple. And if you are my disciple in the word, you'll know the truth. John chapter 17, 17 says, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Now here's the key to having the truth, the belt of, of truth around us. And that is, is that we must have the truth of the word of God. And what we learn about God in the Word of God. So every aspect that He gives to us, His attributes, who Jesus is, all of that is found in the Word of God. And we must have that as our central uh, support system, if you want to call it that, in moving forward in the Christian life. So many people today, and unfortunately so many Christians today, say they know the Bible and they say they know the truth. But when you begin to ask them about it or you begin to look at their life and how it flows out in their life, there's very little evidence of that. So for us as believers, if we're going to fight and have victory through Jesus Christ, we must have the truth of the Word of God settled in our hearts. That's why it's so important that we read the Bible every single day. I think that's a great practice to be in. This is why it's important for us to gather together when we can or gather online to watch services and preaching about Jesus Christ and about the words so that we know and understand the truth because it is foundational to everything that we do. The Word is reliable. The Word is reliable and you can trust it. And we need that truth in our hearts. But secondly, we see him continue by talking about the breastplate of righteousness. So he says, you got to have that belt of truth, but you also need the breastplate of righteousness. And this is so good. Look at verse 14 again. The second part of the verse, he says, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, the breastplate of righteousness. So what is this? Well, the breastplate, when it comes to the, the armor that they would have had was a metal piece that would have covered most of the front of the body. Some people believe maybe they use things like chain mail or a solid piece of metal or a combination of leather and metal. Um, but regardless, the function there was very, very simple. What was the function? The function was to protect the vital organs of the body. That's what, it's, what it was there for, especially in those days uh, the Roman soldiers would use this short uh, kind of sword and they, would they were really fast with, with the thrust of the sword. And so having that uh, was very important to protect your vital organs. And for us, uh, that's what we have to recognize righteousness does for us. He calls it the breastplate of righteousness. Well, righteousness for us is God's righteousness, first of all. It's not our own righteousness. 
It is God's righteousness. It means to be morally right before him. And God's righteousness is something that is freely given to those who believe in Jesus Christ. It is not something we can generate on our own. How do we know that? Well, Isaiah chapter 64, verse 6 says this. It says, but we are all as an unclean thing. This is important to recognize who we are and our standing before God. We are, we are nothing before God. And he goes on to say, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. And we all do fade as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. What he's saying here is that our righteousness, the things that we do that we think makes us um, uh, relatable or connectable to God, he says they're nothing, absolutely nothing. The good deeds that you are doing are absolutely nothing to God. They are worthless in the sight of God. The only thing that can protect our heart and the only thing that can protect our soul from complete destruction is righteousness that is made available through a relationship with Jesus Christ directly. Philippians chapter 3 and verse number 9, it says, not having mine own righteousness, this is Paul talking, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. I got to ask you this morning, do you have this righteousness? Do you have this state of approval with God? Do you have this righteousness that only comes from God? Listen, it is a free gift that God has given to any who would accept it. In Isaiah 61 and verse number 10, I want to read you this as well. He says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. This is the idea of putting on those uh, robes of righteousness again, or that, that robe uh, there. He's clothed me with the garments of salvation. He's covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decked himself with ornaments and as a bride adorneth herself with her jewels. Here's what happened. When we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, we are clothed in the righteousness of God. We have that breastplate of righteousness that protects us, protects our heart, that protects our soul. And when God looks at us, he does not see our self-righteousness. Those are of nothing to him. What he's looking for is the righteousness that comes through your relationship with Jesus Christ. And that is the breastplate of righteousness that we have that builds on the belt of truth. Because if we do not know and we do not hear the truth, we cannot receive then that righteousness of God. And so if we're going to be victors in Christ, we must have the belt of truth. We must have the breastplate of righteousness. But thirdly, we see in the passage, you must have the boots of the gospel of peace. The boots of the gospel of peace. Look at Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 15. He says, And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of of peace. Your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now, this is an interesting picture here. Not, you don't normally think about footwear uh, when it comes to uh, armor, but to the Roman soldier, footwear was very important. Now, this was not a shoe made for running. Uh, this was not uh, a lightweight thing. This would have been a heavy leather sandal. It would have had metal studs in it. And the purpose of it was for protection of the feet, of course. I mean, if you ever injure your foot, you know how, how difficult it is to continue on. It was for protection but also to give them uh, stability, to give them traction when it came to fighting in a long, difficult battle. These boots gave the soldiers as an advantage as they were able to firmly plant their feet when they were in battle. They weren't worrying about slipping around. They weren't worrying about things breaking. They were solid, never retreating, always moving forward. Now, the spiritual application for this, I think, is, is very clear. It's very easy for us to see uh, the spiritual application, because you got to remember, it is only through the gospel, right? Talk about our, our feet and the gospel of peace. It is through the gospel, the good news that allows us to be at peace. 
And when we are at peace, we then are strong and we are unmovable in the spiritual battle that we are facing. If you think back in your life to the times where you were uh, at peace with God and you were content and you were strong in His Word, you remember how much victory you had over the spiritual battle that you were in. Romans chapter 5 verse 1 tells us that therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That peace that comes through the gospel comes through our relationship again with Jesus Christ. And because our relationship with Him changed after salvation, we then have peace. And not only do we have peace, but we have protection from Him. And so we don't have to fear the accusing attacks of Satan. We don't have to fear the accusing attacks of unbelievers because we have peace and strength through the gospel of Jesus Christ. I wonder, are you at peace today? A lot of Christians are not at peace. The way to get back to a place of peace is in the trust, is in trusting in the gospel of peace, the relationship and the confidence of salvation that you have in Jesus Christ. We are in a battle for inner peace. But the fact is, is that Christ has already given us all of the peace that we need. And a byproduct of having his peace is that we should be willing to take and share the gospel of peace with others as well. You know, the enemy, our deceiver, is going to offer a lot of false ways to have peace. And our world is full of people who claim that you can have peace if you just follow their pursuits or follow their ideology. But listen, church, peace is found through the gospel of Jesus Christ, and it comes through his truth. And so we've got to have our feet uh, shod. We have boots of the gospel of peace. But fourthly, today we see in our passage that you must have the shield of faith. You must have the shield of faith. Look at verse number 16. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. He said, you've got to have the shield of faith. Why? So that you can quench the fiery darts of the wicked. Now, now when we think about a shield, we often think about, uh, you know, kind of a Captain America kind of a thing, you know, a little round shield, metal shield. Uh, for me as a kid, when I used to go outside with my brother and we would, we would play and we would grab garbage can lids and we'd hold those as a shield and we'd whip each other with these sticks and it was a great time. And, uh, and, and we would do that. That's not what Paul's talking about here. He's not talking about some sort of little shield. He's talking about the Roman shield. Now, the Roman shield came in a couple of different designs, uh, different methods. The, the most common one was one that was about four feet tall, two and a half feet wide. It would have made, been made of, of, of wood uh, that had been strapped together with steel and with leather. Uh, there was another aspect of it where they would cover it with thick leather and they would dip that leather in water and soak it in water before they go out to battle. And the reason was is so that when those fiery arrows would be shot at them in the middle of a battle, they would be able to quench them. They'd hit that wet leather and they'd go right out or they'd bury themselves and get snuffed out uh, in, uh, uh, in the wood of the, of the shield. Of course, they would link them together and be able to move forward and create sort of a barrier. They'd be able to hide almost their entire body uh, behind the shield, and it was very, very important when it came uh, when it came to battle. And both of those uh, visuals of shields paint for us a picture of what Paul is presenting to us. See, as believers in uh, in the spiritual battle, we know that our enemy is constantly launching launching volley after volley of blazing arrows. Temptations are constantly coming our way. Deceptions are all around us. We have to work our way through and see what is truth, what is not, what isn't truth. Uh, there are um, uh, uh, confusions in our world today. There's arrows of rejection, of criticism, of lust, of pride. I mean, so many things that come our way constantly 
in the spiritual battle that we're in. And the purpose of them is to inflame us, is to bring death to our joy. The, the reason that they are being constantly sent is to bring death to our peace, death to our contentment, and ultimately death to our usefulness and effectiveness as believers in Jesus Christ, the effectiveness that we have on this world. But here's the thing. As those arrows fly towards us, what he tells us is that we have, through Christ, we have the shield of faith. And with our faith, we are able to put out and we are able to resist those fiery darts. And we have the shield of faith and our faith is in the one who created us, the one who loves us, the one uh, of faith in the one uh, that he's going to do and God who said he's going to do what he, what he promised he will do and trusting him no matter what may be sent our way. If you think back to your Christian life, I think you'd agree with me that one of Satan's most effective tactics is to bring doubt into the life of the Christian. That's one of his most effective tactics. He uses it all of the time. He causes us to doubt God's motives. He causes us to doubt uh, God's, uh, God's reality. He causes us to question his reason for created, uh, creating us. And the answer to all of those doubts is always faith. Not some sort of blind head in the sand kind of faith, but faith in what God has revealed to, him, to us through his word, faith in what God has already done for us in the past, and faith that what he said he was going to do, he is going to do. And we as Christians have that shield of faith to resist those constant darts. You may be in a time right now where you're feeling like things are just constantly coming at you. Those arrows are just coming and there's temptation and there's criticism and there's loneliness and they're just constantly coming. Would you hide behind the shield of faith? Trust in your God and trust in who he is and trust in what he said he would do and trust in what he's done in the past. Would you hide behind that shield of faith and trust him? That's how you as a Christian can begin to have victory through Jesus Christ. I love 1 John 5 verse 4 that says, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. We are overcomers. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Even our faith. We must have the shield of faith. But the other aspect that is given to us of protection is seen in the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation. Look at verse 17. He says, and take the helmet of salvation. Now the Roman battle helmet was metal. It was, uh, had kind of a band around and it would protect a bit of your nose. It had also a shield down the back to protect your neck. And they were really thick. They were so heavy, in fact, that they would put sponges or uh, velvet or anything in there inside of it to keep it uh, secure on their head, uh, but also to protect against the weight of it. And the reason they wore such heavily uh, made helmets was because you'd have to do a lot to get through that helmet. Um, in fact, really what they believe, the only thing that could really penetrate it or cause an issue would be an axe uh, or a hammer right in the, I mean, in the right spot. It was very, very difficult to injure somebody. It would have to be the perfect hit. And it's because the head is so vital. The brain is so vital. It is so important uh, to who we are. And that's how it is with the helmet of salvation. If we were to describe the helmet of salvation, we would describe it as the assurance of salvation. Assurance of salvation and the confidence that it brings for us. That's interesting. Even today, a helmet is a confidence builder, right? A helmet is a confidence builder. If you want to see the confidence of a kid grow, give them a helmet. I've got a picture here uh, of me as a kid. And uh, you'll see, I'm, I'm this one right here. And uh, you'll notice, man, I got a helmet on. I got, uh, I got some sort of, it looks like a seat cushion around my neck for a chest protector. I got my glove. I got knee pads. We were playing baseball. My, my older brother and I would play baseball all the time. And there's my little brother. He's getting in on it. 
But I remember as a kid, I used to put that football helmet on and I, I felt like I was indestructible. Of course, looking at it now, a baseball could easily fit right there and smash my glasses and all that. Um, and so it really wasn't that much protection, but man, it gave me a lot of confidence. And if you ever seen a kid, you give them a hockey helmet. I don't know what it is about a helmet, but it just gives you a lot of confidence. When I got my first snowboard helmet, man, it gave me a ton of confidence, dangerous confidence, but I sure had a lot of, had a lot of confidence. But here's the point. The helmet of salvation is given to us by the nail-scarred hands of Jesus Christ himself. And that helmet of salvation gives us the confidence that no matter what happens in our lives, we are saved and we will receive victory ultimately in Jesus Christ. That is a tremendous boost of confidence if you have that assurity of your salvation. And the problem is, is a lot of Christians struggle with the assurity of their salvation. They struggle and maybe even doubt sometimes whether or not they are saved, circumstances or their own actions. I want to encourage you with this today. You can have confidence that your salvation is secured. There's nothing that you can do, just like there was nothing you could do to be saved, there's nothing you can do to remove your salvation. We have what is called eternal security. Philippians chapter 1 and verse number 6 says, Being confident of this very thing, that he which had begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. What that means is that the one who is working in us good works, the one who is uh, doing this good work in us, he's the one who's going to hold us. And so if Christ is the one doing the work, he's the one holding our salvation. You're not the one holding on to your salvation. In a John 10, 28, it says, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. What a great verse on security. Romans 8, verse 38. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That talks about a lot of things that we think might separate us from God, but there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God because He is the one who is holding your salvation in His hand. And the helmet of salvation to us is the confidence that we need to follow God to return to Him when we have fallen into sin, and then to continue on with Him in confidence, knowing that if we are saved, we are sealed and we are kept until that day of redemption, as Ephesians chapter 4 tells us. Now remember, Satan is a great counterfeiter, and he loves to fight our assurance with doubt. And it's because he is the opposite of truth. Whatever God creates, Satan always tries to bring in a counterfeit. And our salvation, we should have assurance in that that gives us confidence to face life Satan's going to bring doubt in, which is going to make you very insecure moving forward. I'm sure you've noticed it, but I wanted to point out that everything so far that Paul has mentioned have been defensive in nature. These are all defensive uh, aspects. Everything has been on the front of the person as well, which tells us that there's no protection for the Christian that is running away in spiritual battle. Maybe some of you have had that. You say, I'm tired of fighting the spiritual battle and you've just gone towards the world and you know what it's like to be afflicted then at that point. A retreating Christian is always an open target for our enemy, but now Paul goes ahead and gives us an offensive weapon and that is the sword of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit. Look at verse 17, the second part down to verse number 18. He says, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. The offensive weapon that is given to us here is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It's very clearly there in that verse. You know, it's so interesting to me how the Bible is so quick to cut through any attacks that may come my way from the enemy. 
The Word of God uh, reaches to the very heart of the matter. If I'm ever going through something and I read the Word of God, how quickly it reveals my own issues. It reveals so quickly uh, how I'm astray in, in, uh, uh, in that situation. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, a familiar verse says, For the Word of God is quick, it is powerful, and it is sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Have you ever wondered why the devil fights so hard against the Word of God? You ever wondered that or why that for centuries he's tried to remove it? He's tried to burn it. He's tried to discredit it. Uh, He's tried to water it down. He's tried to pollute it. And it is because he knows the power of the word. And our enemy is going to do everything that he can to discredit it. Even today, there's people who call the word of God out of date or degrading or a fairy tale or inaccurate. Maybe some of you came from a background where that's what you believed about the word of God. Even some Christian denominations try to find ways to explain away the truth of the word of God. And all of this is happening because our adversary knows the power of the word and he knows it. I want you to get this. He knows it firsthand. If you remember Matthew chapter 4, where Satan went and tempted Jesus in the wilderness, you remember that story? And how he brought all of these temptations to the Lord. And every single time, Jesus responded to the devil with Scripture. Every single time. What that tells us is that whatever, with whatever temptation we're facing, whatever situation we are going through, there is always an answer in the Word of God. And so today, when you are tempted to do wrong, you need to use the Word of God. When you are discouraged, you need to encourage yourself in Scripture. When it feels like you are all alone, you need to connect with the Word and recognize that He Himself, God, will never leave you nor forsake you. You can connect with other believers through the Word. When you feel like giving up, you can find your reason for living in the Word of God. And no matter what the circumstance, no matter what the situation, you can always find an answer and victory in the Word of God. But you've got to know it. You've got to read it. You've got to hide it in your heart as Scripture tells us. And the more that you read, the more that you use it, the more that uh, you memorize verses that will help you to stand up against Satan, the more effective it will be as a weapon in your life. And these, uh, these things that are illustrated for us here today are the armor of God. There are five that are defensive. There is one that is offensive. And here's the great thing. They are available to each and every one of us as we fight this spiritual battle against Satan and his army of fallen angels. Each of these pieces of armor are very important. And I got to be honest with you, you need all of them. There's no, there's no point in going out into battle, a spiritual warfare, if you don't have the helmet of salvation. I mean, what spiritual warfare are you in if you don't even have salvation? You've got to have the truth. You've got to have the gospel. You've got to be grounded in the peace of the word of God. You've got to have the word of God. You need all of these elements if you are going to be victorious through Jesus Christ. And here's the other good thing about it. All of these elements that are given to us are given to us to fight in a battle that has already been won. They're given to us to fight in a battle that's already been won. Uh, there's a story that's told about Napoleon Bonaparte, and I'm sure you maybe studied him in school. And It was during uh, the height of uh, the wars that he was involving himself in and trying to take over the world. And the story goes that uh, he was there with his generals and they were having a discussion. And right in the middle of, of his war room was a huge map uh, of Europe. And on this map, of course, his goal was to take over everything, but they had colored over uh, uh, the British Isles, Great Britain there, UK, was colored in red. And uh, as the discussion was going and they were making plans, uh, Napoleon, it got heated for some reason. We're not sure why necessarily it got heated, but 
he went up to the map and he began to shout and began to yell. And this is what he said. And in his, in his frustration, Napoleon said this. He said, were it not for that one red spot, I could conquer the world, is what he said. If it wasn't for that one spot, speaking of the British Isles, if it wasn't for that one spot, that red spot right there, he said, I would have conquered the world. You know, in context of our message today, it doesn't take a lot of imagination to see Satan as he's speaking to those fallen angels and explain to them his plan for taking over the world. And maybe in the middle of a discussion as they ask him, well, Satan, you've been here for thousands of years. Why haven't you won yet? And him pointing to that one red spot, Calvary, that place where Jesus Christ shed his blood for your sins and mine so that we could have eternal life through him. And I can see him saying, if it wasn't for that red spot, I would have already conquered this world already. If it wasn't for Jesus Christ, I would have conquered this world already. You know, for us as Christians, that red spot, that blood that was shed on Calvary for our sins is all that we need to give us the encouragement and the strength to move forward in our spiritual battle. Because what happened that day on the cross, Satan was defeated forever. He was defeated forever that day. And we are fighting in a winning battle and we have all that we need to face against our enemy and to come out ahead and to see God get the victory in our lives. We must enter it armed with the truth because we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. You know, church, God has not left us alone in the spiritual battle that we are in. We are protected and we are armed and we can move forward in confidence to face whatever may come our way. And I want to encourage you with this this morning. You can and you will see victory in the spiritual battle that you are fighting. And that victory comes through Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ. This morning, I want to ask you a couple of questions in closing. I want to ask you today, are you clothed in righteousness? <laughs> when God looks at you, does he see you trying to uh, cover yourself in your own uh, aspects of righteousness? Does God, uh, uh, do you, do, does God see you trying to, um, uh, trying to show your good works and, and, uh, and prove uh, uh, some way that you're a good person and that, and that uh, you deserve to go to heaven? Listen, the only thing that God is looking for is that God is looking for righteousness through His Son, Jesus Christ. If you're not saved today, I want to encourage you, would you go to our website at City Baptist, would you uh, go there? There's an option that says good news. If you click on that, there's a lot of great information there that shows you how you can be saved through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I encourage you to go ahead and to go there and read that. Reach out to us. Let us know. Because what I want so much for you is for you to be clothed in that righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. For you to have that helmet of salvation. And then for those of you who are Christians today, I want to ask you, are you standing firm on the truth and in the Word of God? Are you standing firm in the truth and on the Word of God? Are you seeing victory in your spiritual battle? Or are you just struggling? Remember, Ephesians 6 verse 13 tells us, He told us to take on the whole armor of God. Why? So that we can stand in the evil day and then having done all to stand. He wants us to have this so we can stand in those difficult times. I don't know about you, but we're in a difficult time. Both physically and spiritually, we're in a difficult time. And God wants us to stand, and so that's why He gave us this armor. That's why He gave us the weapon of the Word of God. And He wants us to stand. This morning, today, maybe as you're watching, we're going to have a moment here of just reflection together. I'm going to pray, and then we'll have a time of reflection. I hope that you'll turn to the Lord and just ask Him for that strength. Maybe you need to return to trusting in Him and in His 
strength alone, for your, uh, for your confidence to keep on living. Maybe, maybe for some of you, you've been struggling with doubt. Would you return to the confidence that comes from salvation, the confidence that comes through having our feet uh, uh, shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace? And I pray that God will do something special in your life today. We hope that today's message was a help and encouragement to you in your walk with God. To stay connected with us, give us a like on Facebook or follow us on Instagram at Band City Baptist. Our prayer is that God will grow and bless you as you pursue His will for your life.